coming up on this episode of Nintendo Cartridge Society. We sharpen our styluses. Styli? Styluses? Just as hard to, to say it as it is to control it. It's dangerous to go alone, so the Nintendo Cartridge Society goes with you. Welcome to Nintendo Cartridge Society. My name is Patrick Ellers, and I am joined, as I am always joined, by my co-host, Mark Mitchell. How's it going, Mark? It's going great. You know, Patrick, I have slowly been making my way through episodes of Columbo. Um, yes. I love a good mystery show. Uh, but I'm watch- I am watching it, and I'm enjoying it a lot. But I can't help but think, and I kind of feel bad about this, that I think in re- like Columbo probably smells really bad. Oh yeah, I mean, if if nothing else, he smells extremely like cigar smoke and chili, and not like good chili, <laughs> right? He just smells like smoke and meat. That's what he smells like. Yeah, it's um and beans. It it's kind of that coat's not clean. The coat <laughs> is not clean. His car probably smells like you know, like the upholstery. You know, smells like stale yeah. farts. Um, probably like. Uh, sausage egg McMuffins. Um, it kind of like, and you know that dog smells terrible too. Oh my gosh! It kind of makes me like it makes me uncomfortable watching it a little bit because I just imagine like I do. I think he really like smells bad. Yeah. No, absolutely. And you know that's like part of the ruse. It's part of what he does to disarm the people that he's like investigating, right? Like they're like this weirdo smells bad and then they like just tell him everything. Yeah. It's um uh I don't know. And then I got thinking like do you think everybody in the 70s like smelled bad? Mm, like do you think like all those like heavy heavy synthetic fabrics? Like um, I don't know. My mind went to some very strange places. I'm still enjoying it. It's a great show, but uh, I, I'm very worried about the personal hygiene of everybody in that era. I mean, I think you're, I think you're right to be concerned about it. Uh, again, everyone is smoking all the time. So they, le- at the very least, smell like that, right? They're like smoking, they're drinking, all of that just mm-hmm. like exude from their pores. It's just, it's a lot. It's a lot. I'm glad that there's no like, sense a sound version of um sure this, of, uh, there's no smell a vision yeah Columbo. yeah i'm not like there's no like cards where you're um scratch and sniffing as uh you watch the episodes you have to time it with the episode um sarah and i are watching the scream movies right now and uh, we just finished the second one and uh there's a part in it where gail weathers courtney cox's character calls out um dewey about being like a, the court uh, uh david arquette's character about being like a small time like doofy sheriff and he's like do you ever stop to think that that's like part of what i do to disarm people as i'm investigating them is to act, act all folksy and i was like it's just like columbo <laughs> can i ask as when you guys are making yes. your way through the movies do you intend to take a detour for the mtv tv show of the same name mark absolutely not <laughs> okay <laughs> Fair one enough. of one of the one of the things that feels like a, a bummer to me as we're watching just the even in the second one it feels way more tv the first movie feels like a movie mm. and the second movie while still a movie uh like elements of tv start to like 
creep into it because I don't know I don't know how long it's been since the last time you watched Scream Two, and I'm sorry, we will be talking about Kid Icarus Uprising in a second here. Uh, but the cast of Scream Two fills fills out the roster with a lot of um great uh actors that I primarily think of as TV actors, right? Oh, interesting, like um uh Laurie Metcalf and um oh my oh, gosh, uh, that's right, Mr. Justified, Timothy Oliphant, um. Uh, Joshua Jackson is in there a little bit, Sarah Michelle Gellar, where it's like, these are people who are superstars on TV, but they're superstars on TV and we're in a movie. <laughs> and I guess even like Nev Campbell, like is, you know, the anchor for the whole series. And obviously she's from TV as well. So what do I know? Mark, speaking of what do I know, Sonic Forces, uh, my copy of it, would you like to borrow it? Uh, you can. All you got to do is email us at Nintendo Cartridge Society at, at gmail.com gmail. and give us a mailing address where we can send you my copy of this game warning there may be my copy of untitled goose game in there instead there's nothing you can do about it it just pops out and stabs you like a pair of killers working together as it is the case in every scream movie (laughs) actually i don't remember if that's true in in the first two it's definitely true and it's probably true in in later scream movies as well um and then oh this is the part where we would move on to saying this is kid icarus month so play along with us but you've done it you've reached the end of the kid icarus games we could possibly play so mark let's get into it let's talk about the uh 2012 3ds game kid icarus uprising Mark, let's start where we always start with our first impressions of this game. Did you play it when it came out? What were your thoughts on it when it came out? Um, what is your personal history with Kid Icarus Uprising? Yeah, I, I've never played it. Uh, I, I got a 3DS um, not when it first launched, not even really like, again, my 3DS, the one I still have is a 3DS XL that's like the year of Luigi. Um, and I think I got it around Christmas time. And Kid Icarus Uprising, you know, like Kid Icarus is not a franchise is familiar with. I was interested because it was like Project Sora. It was Sakurai. But the reputation of it being like weird to play and uh, like and needing like the um, the holder that it came in and all that kind of stuff that came with the game. It just it it just passed me by, especially since I had a very, I would say, more like casual relationship with the 3DS at this time, where I was playing more like PlayStation 3 and eventually uh, PlayStation 4. And so it it just wasn't something that I felt a need to play. How about you, Patrick? Yeah, I mean, similarly, I, I didn't come to the 3DS right away. Uh, it's it's a, not something I got in launch window. Um, and, you know, like I, I didn't pick up a 3DS until uh, after the price drop. Um, so, like, yeah, I, I, was, I was definitely not... Um, you know, like hurting for games at that time. And when, when I did get my 3DS, I feel like um, the games I wanted to get were so like laid out for me already. Like I had such a list of games that I wanted to play slash needed to play that like Kid Icarus Uprising for a, a game that, you know, I knew to be a like flagship showpiece for like how the 3DS worked. Um, I mean, I guess even by the time I bought the 3DS, I was not like into the bells and whistles of the 3DS, right? Um, it's, it's so weird to like always reflect on the, the first like couple of years of any new hardware where you're like, oh, and then of course there's a mini game where you have to blow into the microphone and then like scrub the touchpad and, you know, like tilt the things and all, all this stuff. Um, and so I think that's sort of like where I lumped this game in with, and like, it's, it is that certainly 
it is a show a showpiece for the 3ds but i don't think it is like a, a gimmick fest if if i can make that distinction yeah i agree with i agree with you which is interesting because i you know like i think you could it would be easy to characterize like the control scheme as a gimmick and um i don't think that's true because when i think of when i think of gimmick i think of like you know something that's kind of tossed off something that's kind of yeah you know like uh um uh yeah just like not integral to it but this is like for all of its faults in the control scheme it is thought out like it is considered yeah. and it uh um it's bold and uh and so so for that reason I, you know like I, I it's definitely not gimmicky there there are aspects of the game that i think n- aren't necessarily gimmicky but do maybe fall into that like there's like the ar card capability which yeah, like yeah yeah i mean there's there are the ar cards and like the street pass functionality which is sort of just something that like all first party um uh 3ds games sort of fell victim to especially early on where you're like it's kind of hard to wrap your head around like what the actual use case is where any of that's going to be um either fun or something you're looking forward to as you're playing the rest of the game yeah um and then it also i think it uses the step counter as part of like the idle thing like the more steps you do it'll you can earn eggs and stuff like that i don't know like and and i think you know like that's uh again i don't have anything against it um i am curious patrick like moving past our initial experience like our game our experience or lack of experience with the game when it first came out i'm interested with your experience playing it now like what is your overall like temperature or takeaway on the game so i I have such a weird relationship with this game because there is part of me that loves it, right? There's part of me that uh, is like a totally enamored with the story and the characters. And even when I get into the groove of it, the every bit of the gameplay loop, right? Like I think the, uh, the flying sections are super fun and like um, spectacular. And I think when I am like really in the right mindset and like really plugged into it, I feel like the uh, on ground like combat sections are also super fun, um, but I, I think that it sort of, this kind of leads into like my main like the way I have to think about this game is I almost think about it like it's a VR experience um, because like when I play a game in VR I expect um, to have increased immersion um, I expect to be like inconvenienced or uncomfortable in some way. Uh, and I expect to lose a little bit of, uh, like, reliability of control over the character, right? Um, and all three of those things are qualities of Kid Icarus Uprising, right? Like, I don't have the quite exact control that I want over Pit. He's uh, dodging when I just want him to run in a direction. Um, he's turning either too far or not far enough or whatever. Um, I'm, like, hunched over the stand that's holding my 3DS up or, like, you know, propped it up against my knee which is you know uh, my leg is folded up all over so that like i can have everything in front of me um and it like especially this is a game that i will play with the the 3d slider up because it looks so good and so cool but what it what is so so what what is your experience what is your relationship with this game now how are you feeling about it yeah i i agree with you that it is I feel really conflicted about it. I I didn't finish the game. It wore me down. Like I started to dread playing it because I really, it felt really like the on the ground segments felt really repetitive to me. 
and I wasn't having fun with it. And so I I eventually just stopped because I found I found it really like frustrating and not really fun to play. But for the first couple of hours, like I really liked it. Like I I had a lot of yeah. fun because I really do it is so like unique among games in general that uh and it's it's a lot of fun like it it really does feel like a showcase for the Nintendo 3DS like um the characters and the dialogue and like the uh it's really interesting because I feel like the kind of like breezy self-referential um dialogue heavy nature of it could be really grating and annoying it's but really it's not, not though yeah it's like fun do you know what it reminds me of and do you know who Pitt hmm. reminds me of so much in even though like the way he talks is uh Tom Holland's Spider-Man or Peter Parker. Sure. Like yeah. I got heavy vibes of that from Pitt. And you know, like uh so like I, I think that part is fun. I think the characters are fun and the dialogue is fun. Um I really I like the uh the flying segments that start every level. Um that reminded me a lot of like a theme park ride. Like being in a being in Star Tours is what it reminded yeah, me totally. of. Because you have like you have Pitt being like the character who's like, whoa, this is out of control. And then you have Palutena uh, being like, I'm going to stop you right here for a second. And it's just, it felt very Star Tours-y to me. Yeah, and that's so funny. I thought, I thought that was fun. But, and like, I like seeing the characters, like the Kid Icarus characters in, rendered in 3D uh, and see like all the um, bosses and the enemy types that I know from the first two games. I don't think I would have appreciated it very much like if if i had played it when this game first came out after playing the other two kid icarus games and like oh that's funny that there's a tempura wizard along with like an eggplant wizard and all that kind of stuff so there's a lot i like but i really really just hit a wall with it about chapter 13 where i was like i don't want to turn this thing on again like i'm just done like i have experienced my joy from this game but it feels like i'm just doing the same thing over and over and it's not really giving me anything new Right. So, I mean, let's let's talk a little bit about like just the sort of like structure of the game and like the various ways that like you can run up against these walls um because they're uh, I I think that that is a totally legit uh like I I think this is a game that is easy to burn out on um and just sort of like again drawing back to my like VR experience comparison that like I do feel like I play the game for like 2 hours and then I need to step away. Like I can't stay in it for for very long. Um, even if I, uh, you know, give up on on the the 3D controls, like I just get tired of contorting my hand into like a weird little claw, and like I don't know, there's it's uh, it's awesome how much stuff the game throws at you, but like it becomes overwhelming at a point. Um, and uh, you know, I th- there's also just like an aspect of, um, you know, when I play a lot of games now, um, I do I tend to uh, eventually like turn the sound off and just like put a podcast on or something. And, uh, like this game requires all of your attention, uh, visually and audioly that where it's just like, you have to, you, ha- you have to be playing this game. You can't do something else while you're playing this game. Yeah. It does require all of your attention. I, th- I think we should probably just briefly explain the control scheme. Um, because yes. if, if you're familiar with this game, if you've heard of this game, you've probably heard that the control scheme is notoriously, um, like difficult or notoriously like weird it's just very specific to the 3ds and so the game is really broken into two segments in each level there's the the opening segment which is like a flying segment and it's very much like sin and punishment like that sort of thing where um you could i think of it as star fox star yeah yeah, it is it's it's very star foxy 
um, you're playing controlling Pit with the circle pad, and then you fire Pit's weapon with the L um, button. And so you have right. to. And when when you say you control Pit, like you are being flown, your perspective is like being flown around by Pelotena. You don't get to control that, but you're you're just controlling Pit's relative position on the screen with the circle pad. Yeah. Yeah, it's all like XY position. Like there's yeah. no depth that you're controlling. So that's what the circle pad, uh, you're using the L trigger to fire his weapon. So that kind of requires you to hold it in a very specific way. But then uh, in order to aim where Pitt's weapon is firing, it requires you to use the uh, stylus and the touch screen. And so yeah. it's kind of like you're doing those three things at once um it's not as bad as like you know trying to pat your head and rub your belly or whatever but it is um but it's not easy it's it's like, not the, it's not intuitive yeah the the l button and the circle pad are so close together that like there's a lot of just like kind of micro pinching that is is going on yeah uh, it doesn't feel totally natural if you were playing with like a, you know a regular controller there's like some natural space between where the left thumbstick is and like a a, a left trigger or even a left bumper like it just feels less like you're really getting in the nitty gritty. But I think those segments for me, like were the ones that felt the most natural um, yeah. and they're not very long. They, I think they're maybe like five minutes max. The because, power of flight lasts yeah. for five minutes. <laughs> cause as, as, cause I think they're really fun and like a great showcase for the 3DS's graphics um, with the 3D slider up, which I hardly ever use. Um, and they feel very, Again, like a theme park ride. So I think they're really enjoyable, but like the gameplay part of it is pretty slight. I don't think. And if you try to up like the difficulty, they become uh, not fun really quick. Right. They become like brutal uh, bullet hell galleries of like just trying to uh, trying in vain to dodge everything while, while also getting rid of the bad guys. Um, but I mean, like what one thing that is um, that is nice about uh, these these segments um, is that there is this sort of like constant banter between um, Pitt and um, either Palutena or like one of the bad guys or whoever else is like present at, at that point in the story. Um, and it really does run the gamut of like uh, enemies and uh, allies and people who have been one and are now the other. Um, and it, it plays in such a way where like you can see the, the, the character like faces on the bottom screen if you, you know, chance to look down. Um, but mostly you just like hear their voices and like what they're saying, like, you know, just through the audio cues of the game. And there's a lot of that that's telling you like what's next and what to expect and like how to strategize. Um, but some of it that's just like color and fun and jokes and stuff. Uh, and it feels so much like a like Star Fox 64, um, which is just like my go to thought for that is like I'm flying around. It's a cool roller coaster. And these characters are talking to me and I feel like close to those characters. Um, it just it's it's amazing to me how effective it is at building those relationships and building my affinity for them as I'm playing the game. I totally agree, but I, for whatever reason, I feel like they like if this game was entirely made up of those segments, I don't think it would be fun. Like right. it's the fact that they're five minutes and you're just like, okay, I know I'm going to get this at the beginning of every level, and I look forward to the beginning of every level because it's my favorite part. But they don't wear out their welcome. Because they are like you know that they're going to be fairly brief. Yeah, I yes. Let, let's talk about the uh, the second part of it, um, and then we can sort of like loop back to how how they connect. Um, 
But so after you finish the the flying segments, you are then on the ground, right? You have infiltrated whatever area you're into, and you're going to book it to the boss. Um, and this is where the uh, controls are tested as much as humanly possible, because now your stylus controls, uh, you are sort of being the right thumbstick in like a two-stick control scheme, but with a stylus, which means that you are looking around um, using the stylus and also still using it to aim your shots. Um, so like it, there's so much heavy lifting that goes into what your right hand is doing with a pen on the, your touch screen that like, it just becomes difficult to, uh, like maneuver pit anywhere. And also like I, I mentioned before, like I will frequently, uh, dodge in a direction when I just mean to get pit like running, uh, the, the, um, difference between like pushing the stick a little bit and pushing it all the way. It's a very like Smash Brothers uh, sort of relationship with the circle pad, right? Like there's a difference between you uh, tilting and between you like slamming the the circle pad in any one direction. Yeah, and I never got came to grips with that. Like I could never really finesse it. So Pitt was doing what I wanted him to do. And the um, you know, you're talking about this the stylus kind of acts as both the aiming device, but also how you control the camera. And the way that they want you when there's a brief tutorial at the beginning, and I mean very brief, what the, the way that they want you to do it is, or they tell you to do it is like, you like almost like spin the camera. You use the stylus to like, you know, like, like spin globe. the camera like a globe. And then you're supposed to, yeah. you know, tap the stylus on, stylus on the screen when you want it to stop. And that never, I, I ended up not doing that. Maybe to my detriment, maybe what I should have done is learn to do it that way. But I did not find that to be like unintuitive or, um, I, I I didn't feel like I was ever in control if I tried to do that. Yeah, I always felt more like I was just like swiping. Yeah, just to like you know kind of change my my perspective a little bit. Because I feel like it's important to remember, and it, you it really comes into play here that the 3ds bottom touchscreen is a resistive touchscreen instead of capacitive, like you know like your yeah. iPhone or whatever is. And so what that means is it actually requires like pressure on certain points in order to uh, trigger the touchscreen. So you, when you are sliding, it requires a little bit of pressure. When you want it to stop, it requires a little bit more pressure. And I think like if it was, uh, you know, like a touchscreen, like your iPhone or whatever, then it would be, have been better because it would have been more responsive and it wouldn't require, because again, you're kind of gripping this thing in a weird way already. Yep. So then to have to require like additional pressure to be placed on it just is like one more thing that just doesn't really click. But like I was saying in the beginning, like it's not gimmicky, like it feels really thought out, but it feels yeah. like one of those things where the people who are designing it and playtesting it put hundreds of hours into it and were like, great, like we, we got this. But I imagine when they like got it in front of people, it was a little bit of like, oh boy, the learning curve on this is higher than we anticipated. Yeah. And I think that definitely is the case that like, if you want to play Kid Icarus Uprising, you have to like commit to... Uh, figuring out how this control scheme works for you, and there are a couple different ways, like in the in the control settings, that you like you can choose to like use different uh, button inputs. But there's really no way that like marries it. it. Like there's no way to make it feel intuitive, right? Um, if if you want to control pit with the um, face buttons and uh, control the reticle position with your left hand and the uh, the stylus, like that's an option for you. Um, and there are like you know, various little things like that that you can tweak, um, but like nothing that fully makes it just like a, a twin stick 
um, shooter, like third person combat game. That is such a good point that I didn't even really consider. This must be a nightmare for left-handed people. I mean, I guess you can do it. And uh, honestly, like putting the uh, like pit movement on something a little bit more of a like um, an analog like D-pad. Yeah, that doesn't it doesn't really seem like if all you have to do is like double tap in, in one direction to either like dodge That's or true. run. That may actually be better. That may almost be better. Yeah. Like who, who, who really knows? Um, because that's, that's another thing that like you, you have to uh, wrestle with is that you will be dashing um, a lot uh, by design and by accident, um, but by design, uh, A, to dodge out of the way of attacks and to perform more powerful attacks. Um, because you can, uh, you can, if you're just holding down the uh, left trigger or whatever it is, the left bumper, uh, the L button, um, Pit will just like fire continuously. Or you can let off it for a second and he charges up, so it'll be a more powerful shot the next time he shoots. Or, and or, I guess both of these at the same time, you can dash either forward to the side or backwards and attack. And if you, and it, it does a, a more powerful version of those attacks. But so it, it, it means that you are like negotiating with the circle pad and the stylus for aiming uh, and uh, deciding whether you are depressing the L button all at the same time and it's like just a set of skills that you don't use in any other game and it's just simply non-transferable <laughs> to any other experience in your life yeah yeah and so in these ground segments it's kind of like they all follow a very similar pattern and there are variations within them like in the look in the theme um in some of the challenges within it but for the most part it's like go into a room defeat all the enemies go into the next room defeat all the enemies right. And repeat until you uh, clear the dungeon and make your way into like the boss battle. Yeah, yeah, and there's uh, there's kind of like a the illusion of exploration in these things where like you can go down and especially as you get late later into the, into the game, there's a little bit more of like oh there are some dead ends, but like none that are ever really very far, and you're never like looking for you know with very rare exceptions, you're never looking for like a key or an item that will like help you uh progress through the dungeon it's kind of just like get into the next get into the next room kill everyone there go into the next room and uh continue yeah the the other where area where there's like a little bit of more exploration is there are certain paths that can only be opened if you're playing on yeah. certain difficulty levels and so if um difficulty in this game is not like uh easy medium hard or anything like that it is a uh a slider like a spectrum that can go from zero to nine and the the gates are basically like okay if you're playing on five or above you can go into this extra area if you're playing on nine you can go into this extra area so it's like another incentive for you to play on different difficulties like if you want to see everything in the game but um but even uh, that like you it's it is again just like the illusion of exploration because it's when you open one of those like higher difficulty gate areas, it's just another room and mm -hmm. like another treasure in there. So like, um, uh, I, I guess it's exploration in that you have explored one additional room, um, but not in that like you have to learn to navigate anything. Yeah, and you know, like I I didn't really again like the these on the ground sections wore thin, um, with me really quickly like. I thought some of the design was cool. I think which one was it that actually kind of looked like that Star Fox polygony thing? Was it like 
That's Pandora's pa- Labyrinth. The pa- yeah, Pandora's Labyrinth of Deceit. Like I thought that one was aesthetically cool. Um, and I, I, I do, I think the bosses in this are pretty interesting as well. At least the ones that I saw before I stopped playing because I got so frustrated with the game. But, um, uh, but yeah, I, I, I really just found these on the ground segments to j- just kind of be a slog where I was just dreading having to go through them. And I just wanted to get over it over with as quickly as possible. The on the ground segments are also where you start to, uh, feel the effects of the different weapons that you equip Mm, right mm -hmm. so and like hugely right when 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 you're in the sky portions like it sort of doesn't matter what your weapon is just like what its attack power is um but as soon as you're on the ground and the the game has what like 10 different types of weapons um and all of them have different um like different firing speeds and different like range of melee attacks and like every every weapon does feel or every type of weapon feels like genuinely different to wield, right? Um, and once you, I don't know about you, Mark, but like once I wrap my head around like this is how you use blades, I was like not gonna move off of blades. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah, I, yeah. I, I didn't use blades. I probably should have for whatever reason. I really wanted like the ranged weapons. I wanted the ones yeah. that I could attack from far away. But I actually, but um, I am curious maybe not tempted to go back and try it, but I do wonder if like, if I had been more heavily melee, that that would have been more enjoyable to kind of like treat it as a brawler almost. Yeah. Well, and like that, that is interesting. Cause like I, I, I usually, and every now and then I would like divert and be like, I'll try this one with the staff or with a bow and arrow or um, palms. <laughs> there are some of the uh, weapon types here that I don't know what they're supposed to be. <laughs> I don't, I don't know how Pit is dealing damage. Um, so like sometimes I was uh, using something that was more ranged, um, and then I usually missed that. Like, you know, I, I, I like sort of like sniping as I'm moving in, and then mm-hmm. like go in real close and like finish him off with a melee attack. Um, but you know, not really possible when you go in with like a bow and arrow, for example. Right. Yeah. Totally. So I'm, I'm curious. Then, did you use because one of the systems in this game is um, you don't really upgrade weapons, or I guess maybe you do, uh, but what, where I focus most of my attention is on the fusion system, where basically yeah. it gives you like a, right. a spreadsheet, like a grid that's like, okay, if you combine this weapon and this weapon, it turns it into this weapon. And that's where I would almost every level like go in and just be like, okay, like what does, what, uh, what's the most powerful thing I have? what does this weapon type do and just kind of like mess around with it that way. And I thought the grid system was like a cool way to do upgrades, like this fusion system. And I thought the the way they displayed it was really clear. Like I, I felt very confident. I knew what I was getting when I fused these items, which yeah. I feel like sometimes with like um, these upgrade systems or fusion systems in games, like I feel like I'm kind of winging it, but I didn't in this case. Yeah, totally. I mean, it's, it's, it's very clear about what you're doing and like at at the end of the day like there is a a number associated with all of the items it's a a, a three digit number um and the higher the value of of the weapon the better it is right so like if you just see a, a weapon whose numbers are higher than what you were using previously you're like yep doing it um and you know like it, it it doesn't show you exactly like it deals this much damage this way and this much damage this way but that's sort of where the difference in the weapons type the weapon types come into play 
Um, and so once like you know what weapons you're comfortable with, um, you just chase that kind of weapon at higher and higher numbers. Yeah, one one thing that, um, so they call it the like the value of it is um that three digit number, and the higher the yeah. value is, the more powerful it is, uh, which makes sense, but also kind of bugged me a little bit because you can because there like is no power indicator other than the value, and so you sort by power, but all it says is value, and so initially. Like before, I understood that the two were synonymous. Mm. Essentially, I th- I did find it a little bit like, like oh, like is it valuable because it's rare? Or is it valuable because it's powerful? Um, and I, I do wish that well, would have been also, a little bit more it, explicit. Is it valuable because uh, it has uh, extra bonuses on it? Which is like right. another thing too. Is that uh, weapons as you encounter them? Um, so I so that there there are like the nine or ten different types of weapons, and then uh, a dozen varieties of each of those types of weapons um but not all of those weapons have the same bonuses on them it's sort of like random which bonuses are on them um so when you combine two weapons um they turn into a third weapon with a uh a power level that is or a value whatever it is that number that's a like within that same range and then combining some of the bonuses from each of the weapons um and again it always shows you what it's going to get um, so there's there it's it's not a, it's not a risky system to engage in, right? Yeah, totally, totally. But then there's also the part where you can spend the hearts that you gain uh, throughout the levels to buy weapons that are usually like leaps and bounds more powerful, which is uh, I think something that you do need to engage with further along in the game so that you can like start getting weapons that are in the like upper two hundreds or like three hundreds and then start fusing them together to get even more powerful weapons that way. Yeah, there's a lot of like little aspects of the game that like <laughs> that you can engage with or like really like not engage with. And it's uh this feels I now looking back on it a very like Masahiro Sakurai game. Yes. Like yes. it has so many things that I associate with Smash Brothers, but that are like in this Kid Icarus Uprising like uh you know, in and it may have been in Smash Four. I can't remember as well because I didn't really play that much of it. But uh, at least on the Wii U. But like on um, uh, in S- Smash Ultimate, there's in like the classic mode where you play as like each individual character, right? That yeah. has a difficulty slider that is exactly yeah. like the one in Kid Icarus, where it's like you choose whether you want it to be difficulty from like zero to nine, but your reward is greater. If you yeah. uh, do it on a higher difficulty, Kid Icarus Uprising is interesting because they tell you each level where they're like, "Like, here's the one where we think you should go," right. and then try this. It tr- try this, but then if you want more, like the more you, the more you want, the more hearts you have to pay in order to unlock it. But also, the less you want, the more hearts you have to pay to unlock it as well. Right, right, right. Like they, they want you to go down the, the path that, that, that they're uh, putting you on. The thing that's uh, tricky, and I guess I, I'm, I'm curious to know um, what your approach to the difficulty slider was, um, because um, one of the things that I took into consideration while working on it was if you die, you get to um, basically continue from not right that exact same place where you died, but just like maybe a room back or like a screen back, um, and they just knock you down one full difficulty level. So I usually picked a difficulty level 
knowing that I was going to die once. Mm, that's interesting. That's really interesting. I mostly just stuck with uh, like whatever the tried this, just the whatever one they recommended in the beginning. Mm. I didn't really I didn't really mess with it that that much. But yeah, that's actually a good point about the because again, that's exactly like it is in Smash Brothers Ultimate, is that yeah. when you die, it knocks you down like a um a power level. Also, they have like uh what they call treasure hunt in this game, which is like the hammers in Smash Brothers. Um, same sort of thing. There's like a a mural, and then you're chipping away at the individual blocks, and you know it's you lose a block or a block breaks when you achieve something like you use 10 weapons the thing breaks and then you can see what all of the uh, requirements are to break one of the blocks and so they give you they offer you feathers that's the use for feathers in this game where it's like you can earn feathers so if you don't think you're going to achieve whatever the requirement is you can break it there's also like this idols thing where uh you earn eggs and then you put the egg it's like gotcha basically yeah then you you put you you put eggs into this like spring and it tells you okay depending on how many eggs or how rare the eggs you put in uh the chance you're going to get something new is like 93.6 percent and then you spring it you throw the eggs into the air and they turn into um like little stickers or whatever that you can you're just adding to your collection there's just so there's just so much going on in this game right and those are basically just like these statues from super smash brothers it was freaking me out a little bit when I was doing the idol toss and getting idols for weapons and then not having those weapons. Yeah, that totally, that, that did like, I didn't, I didn't understand that at first. I didn't understand yeah. what was going on. Took me a second to wrap my head around it. Um, I, I want to go back to the, um, uh, shoot, what did, what did you call it? The, uh, the tre- treasure hunt. Um, because you, you start off with just one sort of mural for uh, that's like Palutena's treasure hunt. Um, and, you know, you, you're right that uh, a lot of the, the squares are like, you know, kill 50 enemies or, uh, you know, uh, equip a, a, a club in, in a fight or, you know, fuse this many um, weapons. But there are also some of them where it's like, use a staff on this level at at least difficulty level two. Um, and then there are other ones that are like, beat this chapter at difficulty level seven. Um, so there are like all these different ways that the game like sort of incentivizes you to go back into the levels and try them again. Um, and that that's something that feels very like sticky and fun and like engaging to me were the levels any shorter than they are. Um, because yeah. like I, I, I did this with the, with the first two levels, like go back in the first two chapters um, and like play them again per, you know, whatever little requirements were in the treasure hunt because I'm like, Oh yeah, like I, I can do that. Like this is, uh, this is, something I can, I can tackle. It'll take me like 15 minutes to do each one of these levels. But then like you get later in the game and like some of them start, you know, some of the uh, achievements are like finish this level in 38 minutes or less. And you're like, Oh my gosh, like that is so <laughs> long for you to like ask me to like go back into this level and like experience the same thing again. Um, so like, I, I feel like it in that way, it doesn't totally, it, it seems like it's going to be an interesting reward system, but like, isn't. Um, one thing that I do think is neat is that uh, as you uh, play the game further, you get a, a second um, treasure hunt, uh, a Viridi um, uh, map, and Viridi is like the the goddess of nature, um, who is a sometimes antagonist and sometimes ally. Um, and then even deep enough into the game, there's a a Hades um, treasure hunt as well. So you know you've got all of these different 
cues for like individual challenges that you can take on if you want to. I sincerely do think that if this is, if you wanted to, you could just play this game forever. Like there's no end to it asking you to accomplish things. Yeah. Oh, completely. Like I, I really feel like this is the same like labor of love that the Smash Brothers games are. Absolutely. Like that yeah. same care and like, I'm just going to pack this to the gills with like content and really make this a love letter to Kid Icarus. I think that is all there. You know, I after playing with this game a bit, I think back to that quote that we had from Sakurai maybe like three or four weeks ago in that news episode where, it, you know, the I think maybe it was even the anniversary of Kid Icarus Uprising and somebody on Twitter asked him, hey, like, yeah. will you remake this game for Switch? And he said something like, and I think I'm, I am sure I'm not getting this exactly right, but I think the spirit of it was like, no, probably not. Like that was kind of like a painful and like difficult thing. And after, yeah, like, I, I, I believe he said it would be difficult to, yeah, uh, yeah, to develop it or switch. And, and I, after playing this and looking at like how much was put into it, I wonder if it, I wonder if it's not like difficult, not necessarily even on like a technical level, but difficult on like a emotional or psychological level, because there's like, again, like so much put into it. And I don't think that the the um, reaction to it, like the reception was generally pretty good, but I, I, um, I don't think it's like a beloved game. And so I think it'd be like difficult well, I, I feel to like, revisit. I feel like now, now when you like drudge up the history of um, Kid Icarus Uprising, I feel like it gets, and may, maybe this is just me, maybe not everyone is experiencing this, but it gets kind of like pushed into the same pile as like, um metroid prime hunters or Star Fox zero where you're like here is a fundamentally like good game that um nintendo had to nintendo on and uh the controls were not right like that it just isn't it isn't the way we expect to engage with a third person or third or first person action game and so it just like kind of falls apart like we have this gaming vocabulary and even though the game comes up with like a decent alternative it's not the language we're all already speaking. Mm -hmm. um, and so like, I, I think, I think like to, to your point, uh, it doesn't hold um, like super high esteem in, in like the collective gaming consciousness right now. And part of that is also just like Kid Icarus, right? Like, um, you know, that, that, that IP is such a, you know, we know Pit cause he's in smash and like, kind of that's it. Yeah. Um, but it is shocking to me how much the first nine chapters of this game are like a straight love letter to the original Kid Icarus, right? Um, you fight all the same bosses. Um, it uses a ton of the same music, both in like the original um, like 8-bit arrangements and in like huge symphonic awesome. Uh, the, the music in this game rules. Amazing. It's so good. Um, but like the, the first nine chapters, and like, can we get into like uh, the story spoilers? Yeah, here? sure. That's okay. Um. So the first nine, uh, the, the ninth chapter ends with you um, defeating Medusa, which is where basically the, uh, the first Kid Icarus game ends. And leading up to that, you fight all the bosses from the original Kid Icarus. You fight the Hudra, you fight um, uh, even uh, Thanatos, uh, who was a bouncing snake and is now like a, 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 a cool like Charles like Nelson Riley fight. demon. Yeah. He's great. He's great. Um, and uh, like, yeah, so all, all, all the bosses like come back in one form or another. The Reapers have their own hideout um, and their um, symphonic music is the same theme as when the Reapers spot you in the original Kid Icarus. 
but like with horns and it's amazing. Um, so all, all of that, you're sort of like playing through it, uh, playing through the events of Kid Icarus again, but they're commenting on it like this, you know, like you can tell that they're experiencing it again and they'll flash up like images on the bottom screen of like the old 8-bit sprites being like, this is what Pandora looked like before and now you're fighting Pandora again. Um, and then uh, at the end of chapter nine, it is revealed that all of this is like a ruse put on by Hades um, because he's trying to harvest a bunch of souls um, and get the humans fighting over whatever, whatever. Um, and then the game sort of like morphs from there and becomes its own sequel. Um, but in that way, it's almost a Metal Gear Solid 2 level of like taking an original story and like twisting it and being like, now we have to deal with the twist. Um, and like, I don't think the narrative of this game gets enough credit because it, it the structure is very, you go out on a mission, Pit gets filled in on the mission on, on the way. Um, and the way that that changes throughout the game as um, you lose contact with Palutena, as um, th there's a, a time jump in this game where um, Pitt's consciousness gets put into a ring and that ring winds up on uh, the human warrior Magnus's hand and you control Magnus for a while. Um, Pitt gets his wings, uh, Pitt comes back uh, and uh, he gets his wings blown off at one point and then you have to control Dark Pitt who's like getting into a rewind fountain to like restore Pitt's wing. Like it does so many of these like awesome, huge uh, like story beats that are, you know, maybe like just uh, pure anime hype stuff, but like, I don't know, it, it works um, in a way that's like so endearing and so exciting um, that like, yeah, I mean, it's just to, to go back to the labor of love thing. Like, I, I think this is a love letter to games and a love letter to Kid Icarus specifically. And maybe that is hard to revisit. Yeah. And I mean, maybe look, we've talked, we are big Nintendo fans. We've talked about like, yeah. Kid Icarus is not really a franchise that either I, I have a lot of respect for Kid Icarus now. Like I appreciate the Same. first couple of games. Um, and, but it's not like a franchise that I like love. And so I, I think it's like, it is a, for sure a love letter to Kid Icarus, but like, I think the reason that people kind of have reacted to it the way they did and continue to do is because it's like, people don't love Kid Icarus that much in a way that like they need more than just Pit in Smash Brothers to be like, oh, Kid Icarus, that's right, that's awesome. And so not to say it's wasted effort, but I think that it's very interesting to me that so much uh, passion was channeled into this game. Yeah, no, I, I, I think that's right. Um, and it, it's, it's so intriguing though. It's the kind of thing that makes me wish that like, they would just do this with all of their old properties, right? Like, go back to Star Tropics, skip 20 years, and tell me what a new Star Tropics game is now. Elevate those two original games to, you know, uh, this place where you have to, you know, make up, uh, make up the tempura night of uh, Star Tropics. I don't know what that means, but like, you know, uh, put everything under a microscope and uh, deliver it back to us in a heightened, awesome, exciting way. Yeah, because, you know, it has, like, so many... The thing that frustrates me about my experience with this game is it has so many elements that I think are cool or that I loved. Like, I loved that the way that you equip skills is, like, um, uh, how you use inventory in old-school Resident Evil games, where it's, like, you know, each skill has like is its own, like, Tetris block, basically, and so and you have a little square, yeah, and you've got to figure grid. out, like, 
how you're going to like what what skills you want to use and then how are you going to fit puzzle them in to this little block like uh, i think all of those little elements are so like fun uh but it's just in a game that like i find so frustrating to play and not even i i think the control scheme is part of it but i also just think like there's something about the loop, the gameplay loop that just like is missing for me and isn't like tacky enough to make me want to like come back. Yeah. Well, and maybe uh, we can even use this point to segue into talking about the multiplayer um, because the game does have uh, a, a together mode, which is its version of um, multiplayer, which is you can do either locally or um, online. Um, and we did get a, uh, an email from um, Andros who listens, listens to the show. Uh, wrote in and said, one thing that I wanted to highlight that y'all might not cover is the game's amazing multiplayer modes. Free-for-all is a fun and versatile battle game, but my favorite was the team versus mode. Team Light plays against Team Dark and your, and your teams share a health bar. When that reaches zero, one of the players becomes Pit or Dark Pit, depending on the team, and the game becomes about defending that character. Because if Pit gets eliminated, your team loses. It's an interesting strategy thinker for a third-person shooter. Um, so, yeah, uh, Mark, did you get a chance to uh, mess around with the multiplayer at all here? No, I didn't. So I, I played a couple games of the light versus dark mode, which Andros refers to here. Um, and, like, it is cool. It does work. Um, but it's one of those things that feels, like, fundamentally, I don't I mean, how much online play are people really doing on their 3DSs, you know? Um, just in terms of things that are, like, sticky and tacky and would be, like, really fun and engaging in a, like, modern remake of this game, if these modes were on Switch, I feel like it would, they would be unbeatable. That's so, yeah, I, I mean, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I think it's so hard because um, would I want to play this game on Switch? Well. I think that the controls possibly would be better, right? Because you, I'm assuming you just do just straight up like stick, dual yeah. analog. But part of me feels like what makes this game cool is its uniqueness and the way that it uses mm -hmm. like the 3DS to such great effect. And so, you know, you can you could definitely make it work on Switch, I feel like. But then it just becomes like another like, you know, dual analog action game. And I, I feel like as as much as you know the the control scheme frustrated me, I do think you lose something that makes this game That's like probably unique true, and special. Yeah. yeah, I mean it's just uh, like to me, just to put a uh, almost Splatoon esque like multiplayer uh, c component onto what is a pretty compelling um, single player game um, like that. That's a that's a pretty compelling um, you know co combo of of game modes. Um, it's something that I would have liked to uh, play more of um, the, the light versus dark mode. Um, you know, I, I wish we had uh, like the ability and I guess we could, right. Like we could, we could schedule time to, uh, to play it together. Um, but you know, it's just, uh, it's just one of those things where like the, the ease of online gaming now is so uh, easier and quicker and all of that. And I don't really want to futz with it on, on 3ds. Yeah, totally. One, one thing that, uh is interesting about this game is that uh when it was released the physical box copies came with a nintendo 3ds stand so basically like yes. a little stand that you could put your 3ds in so you didn't have to try to hold up your 3ds while playing the game and you had uh which 
I do not have a stand for it. And so, you know, I had to find different ways to be able to like stand it basic or by stand it, I mean like uh, withstand playing this game. Um, yeah. Just because like when you, when I initially started playing it, I was like, oh, this isn't, this isn't so bad. And it's not like the initial playing it, but it's like playing it for long periods of time where it becomes like yep. unbearable. Um, and I, I think like anytime a game comes with like a stand or something like that, you're a little bit admitting defeat or at least right. trying to, but I we mean, on the up. other hand, I guess like, <laughs> yeah. I guess like making it as positive an experience for people as possible. I was shocked that this game on uh, the 3DS eShop, I bought it digitally, is still like 40 bucks. Like, I, I don't think it like, yeah, isn't full, on the classics line or anything. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's weird. Like, and I don't, I don't know. Do you have like a sense of how Nintendo thinks of this game? Like maybe it's it's hard to say what Nintendo thinks of any games that aren't like Mario and Zelda, right? Um, but I guess like we we have a sense of like what Smash means to them and what like Splatoon obviously means to them. Um, but is this a game that they're just like kind of quietly like it played its role and now they're like moving on or Yeah, I I would be really curious to know if they think about it at all. You know what I mean? I, I kind of view right. it as, from my experience, I view it as, like, an extremely noble failure, I guess. Like, uh, I, I, I cannot believe the amount of care that was put into designing this game. And you can tell that everything was really thought through and tried to pack. Like, everything is packed with as much detail and, you know, like, yeah. love as possible. But I just don't think it works as a package for me. Like, I... I walked away from the game being like i i think the way i would recommend it to people is like if you are at all intrigued i would buy it cheap and uh yeah. experience the first few hours because it is such a unique experience I, I there's never i have never played a game like this before uh even though the parts are familiar from maybe other things like the package is completely unique but um and maybe you'll end up like loving it and wanting to go all the way through, but I think it's worth experiencing for just even a few hours. I would just try to find it for cheap. It's it's so interesting because like I I don't I don't consider this game like a, a failure for for me, right? Like, um, I did finish the game, uh, and there was a, a period there where I wasn't sure if I was going to finish it, right? Like when I was getting into like the late teen chapters, where I was like this is becoming kind of a slog. I don't really know that I want to keep like, you know, experiencing this, but as you get closer to the end, the story gets weirder. Um, and they start, uh, riffing like individual chapters start being different experiences, right? Like I mentioned the one where you play as Magnus. I mentioned the one where you play, um, as dark pit. Um, there are uh, a few that invert the, uh, land battle to flight, um, formula. So like you do the land battle first and then fly away. Um, and then the final one is just a straight up flying segment the, the whole time. Uh, and you're in a, a new set of like, uh, you know, magical treasures um, that uh, basically turn it into, you know, like the end of a Kirby game. Um, and so like it, it ramps back up in a way that, like you said, the first couple hours are enjoyable. I think also the last couple hours um, are very enjoyable. And it's really only like an 11 or 12 hour campaign, um, all things told. So like. Yeah, there. I guess there are a few lumpy hours in the middle, um, but I think overall, um, I liked this game way more than I expected to. 
Um, Mark, any other thoughts or feelings about Kid Icarus Uprising? In a very strange way, it does feel like the natural progression for Kid Icarus. Like, if there had been, um, you know, a Super Kid Icarus and a Kid Icarus 64, you know, and we kept getting Kid Icarus installments, it's like, yeah, I can see how these first two Kid Icarus games eventually became something like Kid Icarus Uprising, for sure. And by the by the time we're putting something out on 3DS, we need to revisit the story from the original <laughs> yeah, one again. Yeah, yeah uh-huh. that feels real to me. <laughs> Uh, yeah, okay, so that is our experience with Kid Icarus Uprising. Uh, Mark, let's close this conversation out. Mark, let me ask you this. Is this uh, the first game series that we've played all the entries of for this show? I think so. I think so. We did it. We played a whole series from start to finish. Kid Icarus of Myths and Monsters and Uprising. We did them all. We played them all. We got it. And we um, promise thanks. we promise mm-hmm. if Nintendo ever makes another Kid Icarus game, we will play that one as well. Ooh, okay. All right. Well, we didn't <laughs> talk about that ahead of time, but I guess now we're committed. All right. That's going to do it for this episode of Nintendo Cartridge Society. Remember, please rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts. Not subscribe. Follow us on Apple Podcasts. We're not asking you for money if you like the episode you can share it on facebook or twitter or wherever you share stuff you can follow us on twitter i'm at patrick underscore elders mark is at mke mitchell and the show is at nincart society we also have a facebook page which is just nintendo cartridge society olivia duncan made our logo our theme music is provided by ape betty you can get more of his music by going to apebetty.com or by listening right now For my co-host, Mark Mitchell, this is Patrick Ellery saying thank you for listening. Hey, Oscar, Rachel, do you like Disney movies? Yeah! Yeah! Have you seen all of them? Yeah, we saw all the Disney animated movies. And we saw all the Pixar animated movies, too. How about the DCOMs? What? The Disney Channel original movies. You should listen to our podcast, Inside the Disney Vault, because we are watching all of them in chronological order. Yeah, and we do fun segments, like we cast each other. That's right, and my favorite segment, Zaddy Watch, where we rank every single DCOM daddy. Ooh, you can listen to all this fun stuff on our podcast, Inside the Disney Vault on Campfire Media, wherever you listen to podcasts. All right, guys, let's get back in the vault. It's cold out here. Campfire.